Hey, what's happening, guys? Grace and peace to you. I hope all is well with you. Happy Tuesday. Uh, welcome back to Live the Life podcast. Today's podcast is entitled uh, Living a Resurrected Life. Living a Resurrected Life. Uh, today's verse of the day was was Titus 2.11, which, which goes right in line with this. It Titus verse Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age amen what a beautiful passage that is and what a beautiful reality it is um you know when we talk about living a resurrected life in Christ. Um, you know, over the last couple couple weeks, we talked about you know Jesus's calling. We we talked about the new wine skin, right? Totally surrendering ourselves to the Lord, allowing Him to to clean us, to mold us, to shape us, to form us. Last week we talked about being formed and then filled, right? The fact that he fills us with himself, with the Holy Spirit, right? In this new wineskin, being shed of our old life, dying to our old self, right? Being resurrected as a new creation, born again, you know, to live this now, what I'm calling a resurrected life, but living life the way God created us to live it. You know, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, uh, we get a taste of heaven now when we believe and receive and follow Jesus Christ and allow him to move in our life and we live a life full of relentless obedience. Uh, there's just this beauty that goes along with it. We we were meeting uh, last weekend uh, with some guys in the morning for coffee and, you know, we were we were talking about Paul in prison, you know, when Paul was arrested and, you know, Paul was obedient, man. A whole nother story. We are going to read out of Romans today, but hopefully you guys know who the Apostle Paul is. Again, he, he was named Saul. You know, he persecuted Christians. He believed Christians were wrong. He was living by the law and the word and beating people over the head with it, literally, and killing them. And God intersected him in his life, right? And Paul became, you know, one of the greatest apostles uh, in the Bible. He wrote many books of the Bible. Completely transformed life. I would say Paul lived a resurrected life. The old life was gone. And you know what I mean? He lived this new life in Christ, for Christ, preaching the gospel the rest of his life. Um, just an amazing story. But one of the stories was when he was, you know, uh, being obedient, you know. Uh, but also, and this is a whole other topic too, <laughs> learning how to hear God's voice, right? So we feel led to do some things. We're unsure whether we're supposed to do it or not. Um, you know, so Paul was on a journey and he tried to head one location and the spirit stopped him. And then he's like, well, I must be going to this location and the spirit stopped him. And then he ended up going to Rome where, you know, he encountered a demon possessed woman and then he was beat in the town square and he's arrested and put in jail, right? For doing what he felt the Lord told him to do. Right. And so if you imagine us or even me saying that you're like, you know, what, what's going on, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, all, all kinds of things run through our head. But what did Paul do in prison? 
he was singing. He was singing praises to the Lord, to the God Most High. Glory be to God, right? In the midst of his, you know, a horrible tribulation. So I think I said in that meeting, I was like, man, that that's when we can get to that place, when we can praise the Lord in the hardest time and the worst thing that happens in our life, well, we now have an understanding of, of what it means to follow Christ in his sufferings, yet we're praising him in our sufferings, right? And then all the more through our through the joyous things that happen in our life, right? So there's this beautiful reality that when we follow the Lord, man, there's just this shalom, this peace. I mean, he's the comforter. He's the great I am. He's our provider. He's our healer. And when we fully surrender to him, we don't turn a switch on and off. We're 24-7 Jesus. He comes to work with me. I mean, from the minute I open my eyes, it's glory be to you, God, another day on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for what I have. Thank you, Lord, for my health today. Thank you for my wife, my children. We pray together, right? Worship the Lord on the way to work. Get to work. You know, work is easy. Uh, people are hard is what I always say, right? So, you know, going to work is more about listening to people, loving people, loving your coworkers, helping your coworkers, leading them into peace and shalom with the Lord, you know, while doing your job right? While doing your job very well, the best you can, that's what we do at work. You give it, you give it your all, but there is a reality. You can give it your all and still be loving and kind and listening to your coworkers and helping them along. Right. And then everybody you encounter throughout the day, you know, there's, there's, there's just this beautiful reality. Hard things happen. You share with your wife, you share with your spouse, you share with your brother in Christ. You know, if you're upset for a minute, fine. Then you pray about it, invite the Holy Spirit into it. And there's this beautiful shalom that comes over it. Because the reality is, guys, we think we're in control of our life and we're not. You know, yeah, we get to make choices. That's about it. The outcome, you have zero control over. Zero. Zero. So, you know, when you wake up to that reality that the control you think you have does not exist and you surrender to the one who's in control of everything... Uh, you start to learn to make better choices. You get to know the Lord better and you start making better choices that don't negatively affect your life. That doesn't mean we're free of trials. You know, living a resurrected life may mean we get a lot more trials. God tests our patience. He sharpens us. He chisels off what doesn't belong. You know what I mean? It's like a, a, a rough rock in the river. You got to stay in the river. And over time, that rock is smoothed out, Right. And David went into the river and pulled out five smooth stones, right? Through one at Goliath and then the rest of the other brothers of Goliath, you know? So there's this beautiful reality of the power of what a smooth stone can do for the kingdom of God and the advancement of it. Amen? So uh, let's go to Romans. I'm going to read Romans to you. I'm going to just read through this. Now look at it from a lens of, of the old life and the new life and living a resurrected life. I'm going to go through this quickly. So this is Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Amen? <laughs> Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized also into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's living a resurrected life. Romans 6, 1 through 3. Write that down. We died with him in death. Our old self, our old ways, our sinful nature, 
our old bitterness, our trauma, our, you know, this is all a process, but all that stuff needs to go. And, and when it does, we, we too might walk in this newness of life because the reality, folks, is that, you know, when Jesus died for all of our sin on the cross, he paid the price. He took on the judgment for us. We were redeemed in that moment. When he was resurrected, we were justified. We were made right with God. We, we were given direct access to the Father, right? So there was this redemption and this justification, right? And it's all about our salvation and, and our eternal life with our Father in heaven, living the way we were created to live, not, not the way we made it, through our, our bad choices and the consequences of those choices, which that's the definition of the wrath of God. If, if y'all think God's an angry God, he's, he's not. He's a jealous God and he loves you. And there were laws in, put in place, uh, not the Ten Commandments, not the unachievable laws, but simply the laws of blessings and curses. So there's blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. The Bible is, is our basic instructions for life before exiting. If, we, if we're relentlessly obedient to the word of God, which is his best plan for our life, which is proven true over and over and over and over again in my life, um, there's blessings for that. And when I choose to step outside of obedience and I choose to make my own choices and think I'm in control, usually it ends up, uh, well, you could call it a curse. All right. I say that lightly. It's not like a demonic curse on my life, but it's the consequences of my wrong choices. You know, you want to do that, Jeff? You want to do that? You think you heard my voice? You want to go buy that? You know, and then once you buy it, you now have this huge debt. You have this huge payment. A month into it, you're regretting your choice. There's nothing you can do about it. When you knew clearly, you know, or I knew clearly I wasn't supposed to go that direction. These are things that happened to me years ago. Um, proud to say I'm debt-free, man. Debt-free other than my home. God, God has... Uh, changed our view on on what wealth is um, in this life and in this world. Uh, Let's move on here. So Romans 6, uh, verse 5, again, living a resurrected life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let sin, therefore, not reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. And it's by the grace of God, this is me talking, that we are imputed righteousness. We are made righteous through what Jesus did on the cross. We are made holy. We are sanctified through Jesus Christ. It's 100% Jesus, 0% Jeff, 0% you. It's all Jesus, all of it. That's how he views us. That's how he made us. And 
That's who we are in Christ's eyes, holy and righteous because of what he did for us. There's nothing we can do to obtain righteousness. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves holy. Nothing at all. Nothing. It was all paid for by Jesus Christ. That's the reality, folks, of, you know, I think it's John 14, 12, or 12, 14. Um, Jesus says, I, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The reality that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. No other religion, not Catholic, not Lutheran, not, you know, Muslim, not, you know, uh, Baptist, uh, not Christian, uh, you know, fill in the blank. All of these religions, religions does not get you into heaven at all. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, okay? And Jesus, who is the Son of God, is God. Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and God the Father is God. That is the Trinity, that is the truth, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Those la- The Word was God, right? The Word is God, and then the Word became flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus Christ. Who is God? Jesus Christ. And then he sent his comforter down to represent himself. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. This you must believe. This is the only access to heaven. Is believing in Jesus, what he did on the cross, what he, how, he, how he came from the grave, and in, in God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is God. Only way to heaven. Religion doesn't get you there. And I didn't put those in any particular order, so don't get offended. Or if you want, get offended. I hope it strikes a nerve with you because the reality is the only way, the only way is Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, We move now to verse 15, Romans 6, 15. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's the uh, this relentless obedience, this swift obedience I'm talking about in living a resurrected life. Swift obedience, relentless obedience to God and what he's calling us to do every day through compassion and love and the gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, the Lord leads us every day into all kinds of, of divine appointments, which are just the reality of every person we meet, God has love for that person. And we're to be obedient and bold and quick to respond and to share the love of God with every single person we meet every single day. But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin and become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Obedient from the heart. Okay, teaching's not wrong. Scripture obviously isn't wrong. Uh, Theology, you know, whatever, 40 years of Scripture you know, theologians, I mean, the Pharisees and Sadducees, again, are a picture of religion. They knew the word better than anybody, and they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They actually called him Beelzebub, and that, that's apostasy. And sadly, based on the word of God, uh, they're going to burn in hell for what they think they knew, how well they thought they knew Scripture when Scripture was standing right in their face, and they called him the devil. So that's what religion does. You know what I mean? So checking a box doesn't save you. Only Jesus Christ saves you. And and receiving and believing what he did for you on the cross and that he rose from the grave and that you will live together with him forever. 
Okay, and that cannot be taken away from you. That, again, whole nother subject. Um, so where are we at? I guess we'll go to 19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. That means to be made holy through what Jesus Christ did, right? So we become slaves to this righteousness, this new being, this new creation now, right? We've been the old, the old man is gone. We now have the Holy Spirit in us. We have a new creation, right? It's our spirit with the spirit of God in us, allowing us to see things the way he sees things, to move through this life the way he wants us to move, lighting our path, right? Psalms 119, it's all of that, right? For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So that verse 23, again, hell is a bottomless pit. So if you make one bad decision and there's consequences and you weather those consequences, don't be mistaken that there's worse consequences. Hell is a bottomless pit. Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not here to mess you up a little bit, not here to rough you up a little bit. Not to, to be a bump in the road. He's here to kill you, to steal your life and your, and your relationship with Jesus and, and to destroy you and your family and your children and their children forever. He's doing it now. It's blatant, not even hiding anymore. Families are being destroyed. Households are being destroyed. Masculinity in a man, a spiritual man is being destroyed and smeared by the world and the world is taking the bait and they're all offended, and it's just sad. Y'all need to wake up. Your eyes need to be opened. Your ears need to be opened. Your heart needs to be softened. When you turn and repent to the Lord, man, he can wash you clean, open your eyes so you see the reality of what's going on in this world. And God has been here the whole time. You know God exists. You've been avoiding him. You've been running from him. You've been, you've been taking the bait. You've been you know, standing up for the wrong things. You know what I mean? Because Jesus cares about all these things too. He cares about everybody. He cares about everybody. And we're all viewed the same. And our sin is all viewed the same. There's no, no worse sin or less than. It's all the same. And we're all viewed the same. We're all the children of God and he loves us all the same. No performance, nothing we can do. He loves all of his children. And he's waiting for us to come back to him. So the reality of what Satan's doing in this world, and if, and if you have any kind of logic in your life or reasoning, uh, when you get to the end of your rope, which you'll do over and over and over again trying to figure out this world, you, you, you come down to, to, to God, or come up to God, I should say. God is real. God made you. God loves you. And the only way to live eternal life is through, is through his son, Jesus Christ. All right. So the, so the, the, the consequences get worse and worse 
and worse. And you may say, how can it get any worse? Oh, it could get a lot, a lot, a lot worse, a lot worse. And it's going to, uh, this life of this world's going to get a lot uh, harder, uh, mainly for Christians, uh, followers of Jesus Christ who stand firm to the word. It's going to get very hard for us. You know what I mean? Praise God. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring on the sufferings of Christ, man. You know what I mean? You either in or, or out. You know what I mean? You're all in or all out. Not one foot in, one foot out. You got one foot in, one foot out, you're going down. You got to be all in. All in. All in with Jesus Christ, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord Jesus. So this is a beautiful picture, man, of what it means to live a resurrected life. This is It's clearly defined the life we used to live and, and the life that we now have access to through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we believe and receive Jesus and we're baptized and we're taught the word of Christ, uh, we are now resurrected as a new creation, born again, to live a resurrected life in Christ, which means we don't act the way we used to act. We don't, you know what I mean? We look different, okay? We don't act the same. We don't talk the same. We don't see things the same. We don't get offended by things that come in our ears. We're filled with love and compassion, right? And joy and peace and, you know what I mean? A gentleness and self-control and completely different, completely different than who we used to be. And, and not something we strive for or attain to. Not that that's bad. That's a good thing to try to strive for, to be like Christ. You know what I mean? But we get to a place, I promise you, where this becomes more and more natural is God's transforming us into his image, man. And you just start to immediately have compassion on people instead of judging them. Anybody you see, people you used to look at and judge, you now look at and love. And it's just natural. So... So if you're hurting and if you're wondering and am I going to heaven? Am I living a resurrected life? And, you know, if you're convicted, you're not. If you're, you know what I mean? If there's any twinge or any doubt, then you better turn back to Christ right now. Right now. So I'm going to give you that opportunity as, as, as I've done many times. You know what I mean? Just say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner in need of your grace. Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Please come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Please wash over me with your love. Sprinkle clean water on me. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Soften my heart, Lord. Lead my life. I surrender to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it loud. Amen. If you just said that prayer for the first time or, or if you're recommitting your life to Christ, praise God, man. You know, tap in. If you're recommitting, then I know you have brothers and sisters around you, probably ones that you're uncomfortable to be around because you weren't quite ready to go all in for Christ. Well, now you are. So reach out. Be vulnerable. Be intentional. Surround yourself with brothers and sisters. Community is where we get strength. You know what I mean? Um... If that's the first time, then, you know, get plugged into a Bible-based church, a word and spirit church, um, and get involved. And go in understanding that you're not going there for people, you're going there for God, right? To get to know God better. So 
Don't get offended by people. The church is full of people too, by the way. Broken people, right? That's what a church is. It's a hospital. It's not a country club. So if church is becoming a country club, then it's time for you to move on to a different church because God's done there, in my opinion. We're to keep on moving, not keep on growing to these big, giant, mega churches. But, you know, we come in broken. There, There's a season of of learning and teaching. And I think that season's three years. I'd say one, one, one tour or season that my wife and I had was a three-year season where you know, we, we were, we were pretty strong in the Lord, man. And, but in a three year period, we learned things about intimacy with God and the, and church history and, and just the a whole nother gamut of learning, um, in about a three year period. And then God sent us out. So, you know, we're not meant to be in a church. I don't believe for 30, 40 years. I don't know. Pastors maybe, but the congregation is meant to be taught, uh, filled up and sent out to either start more churches or to go do what God's called them to do out on the streets. You know, uh, the meat is in the streets. John Wimber used to say the, the church has left the building. The church always has left the building. You know, the church is a filling station for us to, you know, and mainly when you show up, it's not even about you. It's the gifts that you carry. Even through your testimony, you set other people free. So we get filled up, right? Filled up with the spirit. We get empowered to go through our week. We should be connecting a couple times a week, definitely a men's group or women's group, um, a home group or Bible study in the midst of the week. Go out and do things together. You know, pray for people in restaurants and Jiffy Lube and Walmart, wherever you go, always be ready and obedient, man, because living for Jesus and living in the kingdom of God, man, is it's an adventure. And if you're not filled with adventure, then maybe you're not living in the kingdom or living in the kingdom right. Um, because it's amazing. So anyway, living a resurrected life. I love you guys. Uh, I pray this message blessed you and, and, and drew you closer to the Lord and away from the devil. I pray you turn if you're even dabbling, if your foot's in the world, if your house and your car and your money mean more to you than God, you got a problem. You got a problem, man. And you got to repent and turn to the Lord and allow him to transform your life. Because true wealth is only found in Jesus Christ. You know, I was talking to my daughter about this the other day. And, you know, it's like, would you rather have money? Or would you rather have full-time peace, joy, no anxiety, no fear, no offense, you know, no drama? And she easily chose peace and joy. And so all those things come with the kingdom. Okay, money doesn't buy happiness. Money doesn't give you security. It's it's all false. So, you know, and that's a both-end statement. We need money to pay the bills. God gives us a job, but it's not about the job. It's about the people, right? And God gives you the money to pay your bills. Then you'd be thankful and grateful for what you have. Quit trying to get more and more and more, man. It's an endless cycle. It's a bottomless pit that you'll never be satisfied. And the richest men in the world who had more money than anybody said they were empty empty. Money doesn't do it, folks. Only God can. And the only way to God is through his son, Jesus Christ, who is God, not the little mini Jesus that you made him or whatever you call him, or you check the box and oh, he's this to me and that to me. No, he is God, the creator of everything. And the only way to heaven is through 
believing and receiving in uh, Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and his resurrection. Amen. God bless you guys.